Today on the Nerd Outcast podcast, we talk about Star Wars Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. Welcome back. I'm your host, Chris Bashan. Like I mentioned just a moment ago, we're going to talk about not one, but two epic uh, Star Wars properties, the TV shows Clone Wars and Rebels, which I feel kind of go hand in hand um, and are pretty amazing shows and are such a weird, they're weird. It's so weird that these things happened, but I'm so glad that they exist and they may be the best thing out of the prequel trilogy. So we're going to we're going to examine all that, Dave Fioloni and all the cool story arcs and jump right in. So, um let me jump over to Chicago. I have a couple guests with me. Uh my first guest uh is Ryan Bond. Ryan, how you doing? Good evening. I'm doing well, staying healthy and locked down over here. Well, conveniently you can podcast from anywhere, so perfect. Um Ryan, so just real quick, um, tell me your favorite Star Wars movie, and then just tell me, like, just if you know, if you had to give Clone Wars and Rebels, like, one word each to describe them, like, what would it be? So my favorite Star Wars movie, I've been on a handful of these, is Star Wars Episode Four, the one that started all out mm. and got it going, the most complete story as a, as a full package from beginning to end. And if I'm picking one word for each, I think Clone Wars is would be expansive, and Rebels would be intimate. Hmm. Okay. Those are both great words. <laughs> They're both words. <laughs> awesome. Um, do you like both shows? Do you, do you enjoy both of them? I love both shows, and we'll probably, of course, touch on that a few things here, but... Anytime I find someone who swears that they are a diehard Star Wars fan and I ask, have you seen Clone Wars? Have you seen Rebels? And they say no. I do uh, roll my eyes just a little bit being like, what? You have not watched these? Because they they tell so much story. They cover so much ground that I think they do almost so much better than the movies do in the totality of the stories they tell. So, uh, yeah, they're amazing. Final question for you, Ryan. Um, if you had to choose between the two, is there is there one you like more? I think for if I had to go and say I'm going to commit to rewatching a show, I would go with Rebels. I think it is the most you know the mo- most cohesive. If I'm probably going for a drop in, I find I s- myself going towards Clone Wars for more drop ins. Hmm. Okay. Nice. Uh, awesome. Well, let me jump over to my other Chicago guest. He's been on the show before, and his name is Patrick Sweetman. Welcome back, Patrick. Thank you. It's nice to be back on the uh, multi-coastal show. <laughs> I figured if there was one thing that would bring you out of podcast retirement, it would be a Star Wars, Star Wars. discussion. Yeah. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, Star Wars. So, Pat, same things to you. First off, which is your favorite Star Wars movie, just so we can really judge that? And then if you gave... Clone Wars and Rebels, like a one-word descriptor, what would it be? Uh, favorite Star Wars movie would definitely be um, Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I fall into that camp that you know considers it to be the greatest of them, and I'm still an original trilogy uh, fan. Um, one word to describe both uh, Clone Wars and Rebels? Hmm. Expansive is a good word for both. Uh, 
trying to think and yeah I'm not, not sure how, how to summarize that in one word to be honest that's okay it was it is a question I, I I trapped you with at the very last second you were not expecting right. it so that's quite all right um I will follow up though same question to you like is there one show you like more than the other are they pretty equal in my eyes, I find them to be fairly equal. Uh, I've been able to go back and rewatch the entirety of Clone Wars previously, so it's for me it still holds up. I, I you know, animation, some of the storytelling, I think, continue to progress and get even better with Rebels, but I still like some of those uh, storylines from Clone Wars quite a bit. Okay, awesome. We'll hold on to the, all that. We'll jump into it uh, really soon. Uh, I have another guest here in the room with me. He's been on the show before. What's your name, sir? What's your name? I'm Pete Navis. Pete, welcome back. Thanks. It's good to be back. Is it? Are you Are you oh, sure? I, I don't think I'll get in as much trouble as I did last time. I don't know. We're talking about Star Wars, so we're going to see. Um, so, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? Real quick. Uh, I'm with Ryan on A New Hope. Nice. I think it's a... just solid all around awesome yeah. cool uh and same thing like one word descriptions not you've had the most time so you should have the best words for this part oh i figured you'd ask me something else um i'm gonna go with dark for clone wars hmm. and uh teenage for clone wars or for sorry that's totally yeah for rebels for rebels yeah. okay interesting and is there one that you like more than the other definitely uh clone wars clone wars yeah and have you watched you have you watched both shows to their end right i have watched both shows all the way through i've Yay. watched the first two episodes of the new season of clone wars okay so. all right um awesome friends well that is the table the table is set so let's jump right in so we're gonna kind of go back in time um clone wars debuted as a film um which was really a series of episodes just strung together um, it's interesting when I was looking up information for this sh show, the Clone Wars movie is considered a commercial failure. It made the least amount of all the Star Wars movies, including the sequel trilogies, at least, uh, the information I found. And it was generally negatively reviewed, which I, I don't, I'm not surprised. I mean, it's basically a TV show being shown in a movie theater, um, I did not see the movie when it came out. I didn't watch Clone Wars until it was airing on Cartoon Network, so that's when I went back and watched, you know, the quote-unquote movie. But I was not a fan of Clone Wars when it started, mainly because I loved the um, Jinnadine Tars... How do you say his name? The the Jinnadine Tarskowski? The, the Samurai Jack. Guy. The Samurai Jack, yeah. I really yeah. liked the kind of, like, pilot, almost, like, spec series he created, so I thought like going this new direction with the computer animation was just kind of dull, um, even though it was a lot of the same voice actors for the most part and a lot of the same characters. And it's supposed to be a continuation of that project. Like Asajj Ventress, I think, mm -hmm. you know, like she's a character that was created in that original, car you know, show it's, and got ported over. It's more yeah. of a reinterpretation of that. They, they definitely took things like Asajj and a few of the other elements, but they, they can kind of kick the rest of the side. So, Pat, and since I think you one thing about the movie that made it uh, you know, problematic when they released it was it really was three episodes that they threw up, and you could feel that. Uh, I saw yeah. it in the theater, 
and was you kind must have been like, the other five people with me yeah <laughs> it was kind of like what what is this this isn't a movie yeah. it doesn't pace it's got you know three con- three conclusions to it mm-hmm. i couldn't recommend it to anyone yeah uh, you know ahsoka and the storyline with jabba and, and, and jabba's son yeah. and jabba's son squishy it yeah. just comes off as horrible and you could feel like an being in a an 11th hour decision so yeah. i'm glad it eventually got to tv but Oof, they started off on the bad foot. Yeah, it just it wasn't particularly well done, especially in comparison to where Clone Wars ultimately went with its series run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The storytelling got so much better. Well, and supposedly, in, when I was looking up notes for this episode, like, that was a George Lucas decision. Like, he watched, you know, the pilot and the first few episodes, and he was like, this is amazing, let's just put it on the big screen. And they were yeah. like, uh, oh. Okay. Did nobody learn from the prequels? Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> if George Lucas wants to put it on the screen, somebody says like, no. We'll just, we'll just put it in a theater. He can invite his friends. <laughs> right? <laughs> George can invite his five friends. Um, but no, even though the it had a rough start, Clone Wars and Rebels both became really amazing franchises. Um, but I was turned off of it for a while. So, what were your initial reactions? Like, were you all, were you all excited that Star Wars was going to be back on television? Were you, you know, annoyed that they, it had taken a different artistic direction, or were you just kind of done with the prequels and you wanted something different? Like, what were your kind of gut reactions to this? I'd say curious for myself. Uh, I didn't know how it was going to turn out. But I was definitely curious to see where they were going to go. I was willing to give it a chance, and I'm glad I did, because yeah, I was watching it, you know, live run as it was coming out every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree on that one. I think so. I was really excited with Cartoon Network with what they were doing with the five minute episodes that they were running to string together, and the two seasons of that. And when I heard that they were launching this more 3D animated version, I was really excited to kind of see what they would do to tell additional stories. Because between episode two and episode three, it like ends with the start of the Clone Wars, and basically episode three starts with roughly the end of the Clone Wars. So we have no idea what went on at mm-hmm. all. And this whole era that we'd been told from, you know, Obi Wan and talked about and fantasized about what the Clone Wars would be, we never got to see. So I was really curious and excited for that. The art style, even with the new launch of the Netflix not the Netflix, well the Netflix rewatching it on Netflix, as well as the Disney Plus final season and as improved as it is the art style takes some getting used to and that really you got to push through for some people i was okay with most of it but it took a lot of pushing through and it was a hard convincing art style for a lot of people to to settle into Mm -hmm. i think i would love to piggyback off the art style just because like the samurai jack art style is so stylized and sometimes i think i don't know if that would have held up for everything that they wanted to do in Clone Wars, um, especially more in regards to, like, the space combat stuff. But, like, I mean, the the computer animation is good for the time, but, I mean, it's it's rough at the beginning. And I think, I think Clone Wars and Rebels look the best in motion. Um, you know, like, they, their art style does get more defined as they go on, but it, I felt it was rough at the beginning beginning and this yeah, well, it, you know i stuck with it for the strength of the storytelling not because i was like oh this is really cool to look at they got to places yeah. where it was cool to look at but it took a while to get there but a lot of that was the limitations on technology at the time and mm-hmm. you can see the evolution with every season how the the artwork got crisper and there was more going on with it 
So I didn't actually own a TV when this was first coming out. So like I caught it on, I don't know, Netflix or wherever it was streaming a couple of years after that, um, which was nice to be able to watch it all very quickly because the the series starts off so weird and awkward. Like they just sat down and they were like, oh yeah, Anakin and Obi-Wan, they like fought in a war, right? Let's do a show about that. Uh, I want to tell this story. I want to tell this story. I want to tell this story. Oh, that was before this story? Ah, whatever, screw it, do it. Like when you watch that first couple of seasons, you're like, I have no idea what order any of this is happening in. Mm-hmm. So I know they've like published or revised, but like, come on, if you're going to do that, at least tell me like the date the episode takes place or something. Like, that's so wait, what put you, me off as an early viewer of this series. Do you have a problem with The Witcher? No, because it's a deliberate, structured part of the way they chose to tell the story. Okay. This just feels like somebody decided to tell the chapters out of order. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get certain stories, you don't know at what point during the Clone Wars they're taking place. Yeah. Yeah, like, I think, I think yeah, I agree that it was, you know, challenging to get through, but it had that kind of news from the front, you know, today the soldiers are fighting here, and it. I think they eased off of that, but that was really what the first kind of two seasons were, so it was just, mm-hmm. you know, let's let's jump into this mini, mini story of, of what's happening on and jumping around, because many of those episodes, other than the, the two or three parters that you'd hit every now and again did not rely on a lot of previous knowledge to be able to watch those right and i kind of love that it's that sort of like world war ii newsreel like oh the allies invaded normandy okay you don't it doesn't matter what happened before this we're just going to hop in and we're going to tell this little story but like when they do have a very specific timeline and they're referencing events that you're like wait a minute Um, Yeah, the Battle of Christophsis, which is the one that they revisit a couple of times throughout the series, which was also the one that was in the hand-drawn animated series, was like, we're back here again? I don't don't understand what's going on. I feel like, let's just, let's let that one go already. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's stick with Clone Wars, obviously, since it came first. We'll jump to Rebels here in a little while. Um, Yeah, I agree with you, Pete, like... They're, they're definitely going for that, like, meanwhile, on the front, you know, like that whole just kind of war drama thing. Was and... that Ethel Merman? <laughs> yeah, it was Ethel, <laughs> Ethel Merman was doing it. Um, famous, famous World War II. Yeah. Uh, it makes it really easily rewatchable, you know? Like, you can go just find your, like, mm-hmm. story arc that you want to watch, and it's like, great, I'm going to watch mm-hmm. these three or four episodes. Uh, or binge the whole thing, you know, depending if you have coronavirus or not. Um <laughs> And I found that happening quite a bit, you know, not to talk even Mandalore, Mandalorian, but yeah. there would be stuff where all of a sudden you're like, oh, this feels like it connected in a Mandalorian episode to something in a Clone Wars or a Rebels episode, but a lot more Clone Wars, and we could just jump right back, watch a 22-minute episode, and then pick right back up on Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with Clone Wars specifically, like, is there a moment... Do you all remember a specific storyline or something that grabbed you in the show when you were like, "Yes, I have to, I have to stay invested in this show." I have a very specific plot line that like grabbed me with the show, but I'm kind of curious if anybody here has a plot line that was like, "Oh my god, now I'm I'm hooked." Because the first season is okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a first season. It's it's okay. Uh, for me, it's Asajj Ventress getting betrayed and going off on her own and that whole 
this this series oh. to me is like the weird Star Wars series where you're like oh yeah stuff that I have never heard of before can happen there doesn't have to be a rule or an explanation like there can be this whole other force cult that tells us oh the Jedi are just sort of like the Catholic Church it's not like the only religion mm-hmm. <laughs> are you talking about the night sisters oh the night sisters yeah, yeah. And okay all, oh, man <laughs> I want Mother Talzin Mother Talzin um pat what about you you and i like would like sit down like kids on saturday morning and freaking watch a new episode when it come out right. was there uh good times by the way was there yeah. <laughs> was there an episode or a plot line that like you particularly remember that you're like oh my god here we go i i think the first season did a good job i, I can't remember any specifics but i was actually just kind of trying to refresh my memory of the first season but some just some of the storylines you know they kind of got going they introduced Asajj Ventress pretty early on she had some pretty cool stuff and I took to Ahsoka fairly quick I, I kind of liked to you know her character really grew on me and she's become you know an all-time favorite for my of mine I'm glad they've continued to use her oh yeah we'll talk about we'll talk about Ahsoka she's fantastic yeah um Ryan what about you so I got uh, hooked pretty early on with the first three-parter, which was the Malevolence one. So Rising Malevolence, mm. Shadow of Malevolence, and Destroy Malevolence. This idea of this whole story and this kind of precursor to what might become later a Death Star weapon on this fairly large Separatist ship. And I just really appreciated this arc of learning about Dooku and some of those components. And then once that's done, the next episode was... Another early one for me that I appreciated was called Rookies, where you really got to dive deep into seeing that these clone troopers had personalities and having seen them just as these, you know, similar faces, similar hats and, you know, colors being the only thing that differentiated them. I think if there was a hallmark of a lot of what Clone Wars brought was putting the humanity into the clone troopers. And they Mm. did that very early into the series to show there is differences here and you're going to feel the the pain and suffering that is being a clone trooper that is the sacrifices that the jedis are making and i felt that really early on is the malevolence episodes is that the one where there's like an escape pod of troopers and the droids are like cutting open the escape pods in space and just like letting the troopers die in the vacuum of space it may be it's been it's been some time. It's but such most... a moment of horror. It's so creepy yeah. how they do it. I, I think it might be yeah because there was like a three or four parter with a lot going on. Yeah, I mean what I appreciated across all of the seasons is they they just went dark right, and I think I don't remember who said the word about rebels being teenager, but Clone Wars went dark. It went some deep dark places, and then once Disney kind of took over and did Rebels, you can feel and see the major difference between some of the B-plots and C-plots for the characters between mm-hmm. the two shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to give a prop... I have to give props to the Geonosis episodes. Like, that's where I really got on board with Clone Wars. I think it's an early season two arc where they have to, to go to Geonosis and, like, fight through a sandstorm and, like, defeat the Separatists. But then they go underground... And they have to deal with the Geonosians and the Geonosian Queen and, like, these bugs that control brains. And it, like, turns into, like, sci-fi horror. Like, it just, it's, like, four episodes that are all linked together but kind of narratively explore different 
facets of the universe and it's so interesting it's it was it was the first time i watched the show that i was like oh this is a really cool idea i wonder if they'll keep doing this and they did like they really stuck with that three or four part episode structure the further they went into the show which i think is a strength which is a really good strength for the show yeah, I mean, I think they covered so much ground. I mean, you know, if it, when we're talking about early ones, those kind of grab me. You know, there are definitely later ones that come on, and you know, the there's the the darkness of Umbara series where you learn about you know soldier on soldier action. You know, clone mm-hmm. troopers accidentally, you know, blind firing, murdering other ones, and just the horrors of war that that episode you know foists on the the viewer of, of what's here, right? You, you spend most of the Star Wars episodes really far away, both the movies and the TV shows, but that one got really down into it um, with some of the darkness and the toils of war. That's also a really visually interesting episode. Like, that's where I think the art style is really succeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, let's kind of move into characters. Uh, and as we talk about plot lines, I'm happy to, to revisit plot lines, but let's talk about characters. Um... And obviously, you know, kind of our main three are Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka, with Ahsoka having the most, I would say, growth and leeway. Um, there's a funny thing, and I think I think we all know this, but just in case we don't, um, because of Revenge of the Sith and certain areas where characters end up, there's certain things that Dave Fioloni could not do, the most notable one being... Anakin could never meet General Grievous because he meets him for the first time in Revenge of the Sith. So they never meet in the entirety of Clone Wars. And there's a few few restrictions like that, um, mainly on Obi-Wan and, and Anakin. Uh, so how do you all feel about like their character growth? Like, do you feel they grow very much or do you feel... They get to explore different shades of these characters. I mean, we'll save Ahsoka for last, but I really want to focus on Obi-Wan and Anakin first. Personally, I don't think they did much for their character growth, just because you know where both characters end up in you know episodes 3, 4, and 5, and 6. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they, I think they did a good job, especially with Anakin, was flushing out where he is and how he you know, kind of is going towards the dark side. How he the experiences of war that he's able to start making some of these justifications um because with the movies themselves the prequels it was almost like a light switch it was like oh i'm dark now um <laughs> where th- this really helped the, the clone wars really helped you to you know set up anakin's you know slow descent and you know justifications for it yeah i had agreed towards the uh the end of the series they kind of work that in a little more with his like political disillusionment things like that but really, for me, this whole series is like, just, I don't want to watch Anakin and Obi-Wan. I want to watch all the supporting characters all the time. Yeah. Really? You, yeah. Don't, you don't like Obi-Wan and Anakin? I just think they're boring. Like, mm-hmm. we know where they came from. We know where they're going to go. And they don't change that much along the way. Mm-hmm. You know Anakin's going to lose his temper and run off when he shouldn't. And yeah. Yep. And once in a while, it'll pay off. And Obi-Wan will have to be like, well, I guess that was okay. Right. It happens so much that my family, because I've got two young kids, that we will often, when some kid is running off to do something, go, oh, Anakin. (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, I think what you got to see from Anakin was, you know, it fills in, it makes episode three 
for me, more palatable because that jump between two and three is so big. And now I have a tapestry that fills in a lot of the, the lines between those. And while I think Anakin is not as does not fall as far as I think he should in those. And maybe in the new Disney episodes, he might fall further and that might complete enough of the narrative to really be really bookended well. So I think with, with that, it's also the characters we didn't mention, which was Padme. And you get to see some of this Anakin Padme relationship that also starts out in such a bad place at the beginning of episode <laughs> three as well. Mm-hmm that to get to see them play off each other, to get to see her views politically. She plays a lot of political roles that you really get to see. And when you look at some of the, you know, some of the memes of, you know, democracy dying in darkness, a lot of it comes from Padme that gets shared on the internet. And she get to be such a stronger character there that when you then get to see Natalie Portman portray her in episode three, you're like, where's the Padme I I actually right. liked? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I enjoyed some of the clones. I mean, Rex is a perfect example, and you know, like Echo and Fives and stuff. They were great characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, we should also give props to um, shoot. I don't have his name, but the voice actor for every every clone. clone. <laughs> um, we'll we'll yeah. look it up here in a little bit. Uh, him and him and Darcy Carden can get together. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, just to just to jump on Anakin and uh, Obi Wan for one more bit, like. Yeah, I feel, you know, as Dave Filoni was producing the show, you know, he can't course correct uh, what Lucas did in in the prequels, but I feel there was part of him that was like, okay, well, I'm going to make this, try and make this way more believable. And if you have time to watch the entirety of Clone Wars, that really helps Revenge of the Sith. It does. Um, it doesn't solve Revenge of the Sith, but it makes it much more palatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and with you know, and with Obi Wan, right? Not to go off him, like he actually, you know, became a, a, almost a, a, an untouchable statue of a you know a Galahad type character, mm-hmm. and he he has some failure in this as well, right? You start to see where that goes, and you know, some you know when you talk about some of the most pivotal episodes and story arcs that have continued to play through into Rebels and the Mandalorian and other places, you know, the whole Mandalorian arc with him and Duchess Satine and with the the Night Watch and all of the Death Watch or whatever that, that continues to come in and, and the Darksaber, those are all key critical moments that Obi-Wan played pivotal or Anakin wasn't involved in those stories. Yeah. And you got some background on Anakin leading, you know, finding out who he was, you know, kind of before we met him in episode one. One thing I do like that they do with Obi-Wan and Anakin, like giving giving Obi-Wan kind of a love plot, I thought was a admirable attempt for a character who is usually like super stoic. Um, and I like the banter. I really love the banter between Obi-Wan and Anakin. I mean, they just have some really fun moments uh, where they're just kind of razzing each other and it's fantastic. Like, I love it. Uh, but we all mentioned that we really like the supporting characters more. So let's talk about them. Not Dooku, not, you know, Anakin or Obi-Wan, but Ahsoka, Rex, Darth Maul, uh, Asajj Ventress, you know. Hondo? Hondo! Hondo! Hondo Anaka! <laughs> Cad Bane was yep. a great recurring character. Cad Bane? Good. Uh, let's even let's... seeing even seeing young Boba Fett right and the and the yeah. group that's there and Aura Singh and some of those storylines, yeah. 
that that weird like force family on that pyramid thing in space. Yeah, yes. the the Mortis episodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the one where I was just like, okay, pause. What's <laughs> happening? <laughs> like we're in like the Force Garden of Eden, and yeah. <laughs> I I did though enjoy when they were wrapping up Rebels how they tied back to that. Mm-hmm. You know, at least it kind of came full circle. Mm-hmm. On. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Let's talk about Ahsoka. I mean, she... Ashley Eckstein voices her, and, and I mean, she is the standout character. Some of the most interesting plot lines happen with her. Mm-hmm. I feel when they canceled the show and they ended with her leaving the Jedi Order, I thought that was a great out. So good. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, that's that's your out. Um, God, what a, what a weird but great idea to give Obi-Wan... Or not Obi Wan. I'm sorry. Well, she is Obi Wan's Padawan. I'm sorry. She, she's she's supposed to she's be. She's supposed to be. Yes. And he just pawns her off to Anakin Basi- in the first episode. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What do y'all want to say about Ahsoka? Well, I. Th- I mean, aside from the fact you know she's a great character, I remember one of the things you know, Chris, you probably remember with me when we were watching live. The kind of open question was. Are they going to kill her, and when are they going to kill her? Because we know she's not in Episode 3. There's never been any mention of her in the movie, so I, I think we always had in the back of our mind, like, crap, Ahsoka's expendable. They could totally kill her off as a, you know, a tool to kind of push Anakin over the edge. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that can be said for all the secondary characters, like Rex, like, you know, mm-hmm. what, what was he doing during Order 66? Like, yeah. um... Yeah, like, I think that's what makes all of them far more interesting, is we just don't know their fates. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we still don't know what Ahsoka was doing during Revenge of the Sith. I don't think we do. Maybe we'll find uh, out. We, uh, if you've read the book they wrote about her, you kind of get a little bit of her background filled in. Yeah, it fills in her and uh, Rex's backstory. Rex. Hmm. Yeah, and I think this final season of Clone Wars is supposed to really kind of flush the rest of that out. See, that's what I'm sort of hoping doesn't happen. Because I love the way she walks away from this series, and then the way that she steps in in Rebels. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that I'm like, I get who oh, she God. is. Mm. You know? that, and that entrance at the end of Rebels Season 1, I, it, right? was, it was like, I dropped my mom. Like, this is Fulcrum. And I was like, <laughs> What? <laughs> Oh my god! Um, And it was at that point I was actually watching Rebels on my own because I couldn't find time with my wife and kids. And I hit that last episode, and I was like, "This show just became insanely better." And then all of a sudden, it was like, "Oh well, now I can't have them watch Rebels. We need to go back and actually finish all of Clone Wars (laughs) for that for that one for that reveal when she comes down. Like that for me was their Darth Vader moment. That reveal because they were already kind of spoiled on that. And they had the I am your father when Ahsoka showed up. And it was like, that was it. That was worth six seasons to get to the end of this season to see what was that. Like, ugh. That end of that first season of Rebels was what made me a fan of Rebels. Because the entire first season, it was a bit of a kid show. They were kind of finding their way. I was like, yeah, it's fine. And then the way they ended that season was like, holy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. She, I, I, Ahsoka... Yeah, she's so good. I just don't know what to say about her. I mean, she's, I mean, you know, you could replace, I mean, in the sense of like what Ahsoka gets, what none of the other characters do that are, you know, A-level characters is she gets her growth, right? She gets a full arc of being, you know, a young, you know, doe-eyed Padawan who has an attitude to, 
you know, call him Sky Guy through a variety of episodes and then grows and then gets disillusioned and then leaves, right? Like, no one else really has that except for, like, the, the you know, the Barris Offie story where she, the whole end of Ahsoka's storyline. Mm-hmm. Well, and her play with Anakin and, like, ultimately her leaving the Order, like, what that does to him, I feel, is is so fantastic. I mean, she she is important for his growth so much, you know? Like, I, I love the two of them together. I really do. Well, and if you look at where, you know, Ahsoka's kind of major first arc on her own is the episode where what later becomes the arc that influences Saw Gerrera. She gets to be a part of this, this uh, you know, this rebel cell that's trying to become part uh, of, of the larger, they need Jedi help, but they're still independent. And Ahsoka kind of goes there undercover without Anakin, without Obi-Wan, and is there to help Saw and his sister. And Saw is the leader uh, of this, but really it's the sister, and I'm blanking on her name. She's the one that really is rising through the the community and the ranks to deal with all of this. And then unfortunately at the end of the, the episode arc, the sister dies and then Saw Gerrera picks up her mantle and to then see him show up in Rogue One was like mind blown as well, right? And then mm-hmm. to see him reverse put back into season, I don't know, two or three of Rebels was like, this cohesive feloniness is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was one, you know, that episode where she was helping, you know, saw, you know, the the gorilla movement. It's I, how much did Dave Filoni know that he was going to do this, that she was ultimately going to become part of the burgeoning uh, rebel, yeah, sorry, rebel alliance, because that was seasons later, you know, years before we got to rebels. But this was one of the foundation things where she learned how to kind of lead and organize a, a you know, a guerrilla tactic campaign against a strong military power. I think that's when, like, you know, if you trust your writers to tell a good story, you don't have to plan out 15 seasons, 12 movies at the same time. You're like, oh, what's the consequence of this decision? You know, like, let it play out. I think it's crazy that we're talking about, like, oh, this character is interesting because she's important to the plot and important to the development of the other characters. Like, that should be every character in your show. Not, not quite like uh, Zero Hut the Hut. Oh, <laughs> God. Oh, my God. That The I, I first time I tried him. watching, I hit Zero the Hut, and I was like, I can't watch this. Yeah. The, Tr- was, Truman Capote the Hut? Yeah. <laughs> it was not a strong opening. No. It really wasn't. And, I mean, Ahsoka is, like, she can really turn you off very fast. Like, the whole Sky Guy thing. It's like, what the hell? Why are you talking to Ant? Why are you talking to Darth Vader like that? Like, get out of here. You're annoying. <laughs> Why are you talking? You're annoying. You're a kid. <laughs> well, I think it's that thing where like they're they were like, oh, it's animated. It must be a kids show. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, no, let's just make a show. It's weird. Yeah. If, if Clone Wars, I feel, does drift back and forth. Like there's, it definitely goes dark. There's some Gungan episodes. But then there's episodes where it's like the droids are on an <sighs> yeah. adventure, or these youngling Jedi children are trying to get their lightsabers. You know, like there's episodes that yeah. pull back. For sure, from the darkness. Um, Anytime there was a Jar Jar Binks episode, I just shook my head. Yep, yep. But I think Chris, you you know, you highlight some of the things that I also appreciated about Clone Wars is you did get to see these pockets around, right? And 
you know, even some of the episodes even gave Jar Jar a little bit of micro redemption mm. uh, yeah. through some of that. You know, you got to see what it was like to be a youngling because you don't spend any time with any of the younglings. And you really get to see some of those Jedi rituals that mm-hmm. you didn't get to see anywhere else. Um, and you get some of that exposure in places like Ilum, where is the planet where they go to mine the crystals. It was because of that those episodes that it became a planet that continued to get shown up in places like star wars fallen order mm-hmm. uh and features as as you know spoiler alert um ilum later becomes the star killer base hmm. um, oh that's the planet they use yep yes it ah, is it's actually revealed it's revealed in the level on jedi fallen order um at one point when you go get through the temple and you come at the back and you actually see that they're mining it. They're basically building this whole, the whole place where the cannon's going to go. So, huh. um, you know, so you see, you would see things like that. And I think someone was making fun of it, but I actually appreciated the really weird droid episode where they were stuck in that alternate <laughs> dimension, uh, the void or whatever. The void. <laughs> um, and how did the droids get to kind of work together? Uh, and those are fun. But then it would like zoom in on episodes like the deserter, which was like when one of the clone troopers like left the order and just decides to have a family. And when Rex and this, you know, deserter meet together, you see this like duty and law and order confronting each other and even Rex calling into question. And some of those things sets up into place. Why does Rex not die when order 66 happens? through a variety of other reasons, but some of those things that he gets to encounter with Anakin and with Ahsoka. Yeah, like Rex, Rex is probably my second favorite addition. Um, I know we haven't talked about the villains very much. Um, it's the, I like the villains of um, Clone Wars, but sometimes they feel very cartoony to me. Like I like Cad Bane. But, I mean, he's a Western gunslinger with a fancy hat, you know? Why are you um, complaining about this? Oh, no, I think it's great. But it feels, it feels, it doesn't feel dark. It feels cartoony <laughs> sometimes. Like, I, like, um, probably, like, the most lethal villain, probably Darth Maul. Like, they really yeah. paint him, like, batshit crazy and, like... Mm-hmm. You know. uh, well, and bringing him back from the dead, I you know at first I was I wasn't sure, but th- it was a great move. They did such a great job, you know, reinventing him as a villain and making him so much more than he ever was in Phantom Menace. I kind of liked the uh, you know like Cad Bane, Hondo, the guys who are in it for profit. Like mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, they're Han Solo, but he never comes back to rescue Luke at the Death Star. Right, he just takes his money and leaves. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the Darth, the Darth, well, actually, the Maul episodes, because he's no longer a Darth um, right. through these things, right? So Maul and later, you know, Savage Press and the Night Sisters, like, there's so much story that gets told there and, you know, again, touches on the, the Mandalorian arc and touches on uh, things with, you know, the Emperor getting to face Maul and they have their face down through there. And later to get, you know, that triumphant reveal at the end of Solo when Maul comes back and shows he's been running orders in there. You're like, this, these are there because there's fans that have appreciated that. And thankfully, some directors and some writers were capable of plucking those moments out and creating what small levels of MCU continuity that 
the J.J. Abrams verse was not creating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm 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 with you, Pat. Like when they when they were teasing Darth Maul, I was like, oh, I don't know, this might be a really bad idea. Like, yeah. are we about to? to jump them all like i mean i don't think this is <laughs> but they they did it really well they really did and mm-hmm. for somebody who has like what two lines in the movie he's in like they did yeah. a good job. there's more screen time with darth maul and clone wars than there is in phantom menace like there's way more screen time like that's where that character really lives you yeah. know because in, in phantom menace he was just there to be you know the, the stalking bad guy and to have a big lightsaber duel at the end mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like for then, me, I think this series is what I wanted the prequel movies to be. Yeah, you know? we wanted the prequel movies to be so many other things, Pete. Yep. <laughs> so you know, but many, like, yeah. the prequel movies essentially told the story we already knew. We we're like, oh yeah, he goes to the thing, and then he goes to the thing, and then he's evil, and then he the fight, whatever. And like, that's all they did in those movies. Like, this is like, what's the world? What's the war that they fought in? Why did he change? Mm-hmm. What's the other weird, crazy nonsense in this universe? Uh, we need to move into Rebels soon, but is there anything else you all kind of want to say about um, Clone Wars? I mean, obviously we can come back to it. Uh, but, oh, I guess, was there any other, any other, I don't know, like, ways that Clone Wars succeeded where maybe the prequels failed? I don't think we got that kind of time. <laughs> Fair enough. That's that's a great assessment. Then let's move into Star Wars Rebels. Uh, we were all heartbroken. Clone Wars was canceled, and then they announced uh, that they would be doing a new show uh, for kids. For kids, um, <laughs> that was going to be on Disney Extreme or Disney XD or whatever it's called. Uh, and I did not watch the first season of Rebels. I didn't jump into Rebels till season two was airing. And I have to admit, I immediately gravita- gravitated towards Rebels way more than I did Clone Wars. I thought the animation was way better, but that's a given. Like, that's a given. Um, It hit on themes that we had seen in the original trilogy, which I don't think is a negative, but I could see how you could take it as a negative. Um, And something about the visual design. I mean, I just love the time period of the original trilogy more than I do the prequels. So seeing Star Destroyers, hearing TIE Fighters... Again, like, I loved it. And, I mean, bringing Darth Vader in was, with James Earl Jones, I might add, uh, Mm -hmm. was a very smart move. So, I never got the teenage thing. Like, I know they marketed it as a teenage show, but I feel Rebels dives into some deep, weird stuff. And just because it's not as dark doesn't mean it's bad by any stretch. It definitely gets into the dark stuff later, but the first season, especially the first three fourths of it, it's fairly light. It gets it starts out more of a young adult show, mm-hmm. and then they then they turn that corner and they get into the darker stuff with, you know, it, they really up the ante. I, the, the I would say seasons. Rebel. I would say Clone Wars does the same thing though. That first season is yeah. not dark. Like it's 
Yoda doing a diplomacy mission, or you well, know, we've got to get these people to help us. Like it doesn't, it doesn't go that, very dark. You say that, but the first season of Clone Wars also had that episode where they were, you know, cutting open the escape pods to kill the soldiers that you mentioned earlier was very. Dark. That is true, but they're they're clones. Like as much death, but <laughs> hold, on, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, but but the clones basically in Clone Wars are the battle droids. Like yes. Clone Wars does a good job of making us feel for them, especially the Fives and the Echoes, but the majority of the troopers are just cannon fodder. So you're saying because they were at war, they were expendable? <laughs> that's that's cold, man. That's very cold. No, no, no. I'm saying, you know, I feel... How can I put this? You can't. You can't. I can. I totally can. <laughs> Rebels, Rebels dares to, like, mess with its core characters more than Clone Wars does, I think is why I enjoyed it more. And because we didn't because have... They, because they could, right? They weren't well, they really could. connected to anything. Right. But also, you, you really think that? Yeah. Because they Not, don't. In season, you know, in they, season they one, kill, you don't... What's his like, name? Oh, well, I mean, I guess yeah. we can spoil our cast. Right. Yeah, they kill Kanan. Kanan dies. Kanan dies. But to me, um, like, that's... Like, he's the Ahsoka of this series. He's the one who, like, it's a major character that you really like, and they go away at the end, and it's tragic. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's kind of filling that slot. But I also think, like, why do we need another series that revolves around a teenage boy who's kind of a prankster <laughs> who discovers his magical powers? That is totally fair. Like, I can see um, uh, Ezra being a turnoff, and especially at the beginning. But no more than Ahsoka. Like, Ahsoka's batshit annoying at first, so why is Ahsoka okay and Ezra is not? They're the, even well, almost well, the same age. Because when Ahsoka was being annoying, we still had Obi-Wan and Anakin, who we already really liked. They were established characters. Mm-hmm. In Rebels, everybody was new to us, so you had to start to learn to, you know, who they were and figure out if you liked them. Hmm. And I think she was not the person you're supposed to identify with. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you turn on Clone Wars, and you're like, ah, Anakin, that's my protagonist. Mm-hmm. You turn on this show and you're like, ah, it's Aladdin. Okay. Yeah, I think he's got yeah. a lot more of a relatable story, right? Again, it's you know he's he's lost his parents. You get to relate to that. Whereas you know Ahsoka has joined the Jedi Order, as as far as you know it at that point, out of quote her own free will, and seems to be happy about her situation. Whereas Ezra is not. Ezra feels like they're trying to do, like, uh, what's just, like, a more fun version of Luke Skywalker? You know, like, someone's not depressed all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they totally hit on... I mean, it is it is Luke Skywalker, you know, in TV form, almost. Um, I would say that's not a bad thing, but you do not like it, right, Pete? Well, this is another instance where, like, I love the bulk of the supporting characters. Hmm. At least, definitely, so much more than I ever want to see him on screen. Do you eventually like Ezra? Uh, I think there's a couple of little arcs that they okay. do really well, especially towards the end with like the the wolves and the temple and the thing and the other thing. Oh yeah, and the, the guy. Wolf and the temple. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a lot of like I gotta go do some antics. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, and and since we're not talking about it here, but they also then came out with a subsequent series after this, which is Star Wars Resistance, mm. and the main series, the main like you know character in that one is 
uh, Kaz, and he is a moron. So <laughs> he is he is like one of the worst characters yeah. in all of TV, and he the ability to now go back and go, oh God, Ezra is so much better than all of what this character had. <laughs> then you know, but I think going through it the first time. It does have a lot more of that Disney feel than the Cartoon Network feel hmm. that yeah. came out of between those. It gets, it does, it gets better, it gets darker. It, it, I don't think it ever gets anywhere near as dark as Clone Wars did, uh, as consistently. The last season would probably be when they got the darkest, you know, when they started, more people started dying. But yeah, I, I would agree, they never got as dark. And they, and I think they, you know, they pull their punches. Like the thing is, like, the whole uh, Harris and Dula and Kanan romance, it's like mm-hmm. they spend, you know, almost the entire show and I don't, they don't even kiss till like right at the end. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's really kind of frustrating and you can like read it on the, the screen. So, and you just, it, they don't play it out and it just feels so frustrating. It's not like a X-Files, you know, Fox Mulder and Dana yeah. Scully thing. It's like, we know you guys are in a relationship. Um, but so then just let's just address that. Right. But it's You're like it doesn't get addressed, and then a kid shows up. Yep, <laughs> magically, because that makes it okay that he's dead. Um, I so so Kanan's my favorite part of the series. Hmm. I I really like the idea of the sort of like anti Obi Wan, this like Jedi who mm-hmm. sees himself as a failure, and everything that he does is trying to make up for that. You kind of have to do that after coming off of Clone Wars because we just had Obi Wan. Like yeah. I think that was the probably the best narrative choice to go with him. Yeah, and yeah. like like seeing him always trying to like play this role of the mentor, but not believe that he deserves to to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I liked it. It was a different thing that we hadn't seen in Star Wars yet. Yeah, I wish I wish both Ezra and. Kanan had not become as competent in Jedi ways as they do. And I feel that, you know, I think I had read a Star Wars article about this idea that, like, Star Wars can't seem to let go of its need to have a Jedi. And the the story just kind of ends up doing this a little bit again through some of that. So it's, it's hard, right? Like, you're seeing, again, the Luke Skywalker part of the story, and he mm-hmm. builds the lightsaber. And then it starts to become really complicated. So whereas you go, Ahsoka, where did she go at the end of Clone Wars? You go, well, what happened to Kanan and Ezra, who are, by, by leagues, way more competent as Jedi than Luke Skywalker is? And he is the new hope. He's the hope of the rebellion and all of this. So you've got, like, a different set of, like, well, what happens to these people? Um, lingering out there as well. And there, there is a great episode, and we really we rewatched it, when Leia meets both of them. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to be careful, and I actually I don't remember exactly right now, but I was like, did she actually see them use Jedi powers in that episode? Because when she sees Luke, she's, it's, it's a bigger deal. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, there is a Jedi. Like, she, gets, she never gets to know about it. Meanwhile, her, her father knows that there are Jedi out there. So it's like, I don't know, it was always complicated being like when, like this, this rebel cell feels so powerful. So when Luke shows up, it's like, oh yeah, another Jedi. We got it. (laughs) This one's not even very good. No. Yeah. And 
I appreciated that again De Fioloni decides to explore like hey you know what we're in this time period let's see the rebellion like in its early stages like I thought that was a really cool idea that I'm glad that they explored and and not oh, only do we it. get Ahsoka we get Rex like Rex is there oh, it's like man. oh Rex is here and he's come back. that was so good he's he's looking good got you a get beard Hondo, going and on. you get Hondo back too and yep. Hondo Oh, Hondo. Of course, Hondo's um, still alive. <laughs> well, and, you know, actually in that same Leia episode to kind of pull a, another deep cut into Rogue One, but the hammerhead ship that crashes into the Star Destroyer is, uh, in that movie, is one of the ships that Leia gives that Rebel Cell in that Rebels episode. Oh, cool. So, <laughs> so she brings three of these hammerhead Corvette cruiser classes, and then they bring them to the rest of the rebellion. And those one of those ships shows up in Rogue One. You're like, this is great, right? Like, and I think a lot of people joked around the idea that there is this like trilogy, this prequel trilogy of you know Solo and Rogue One, and some of these areas where like there seem to be a lot more cohesive elements showing back up in in a lot of these than was happening in you know the the, the later trilogy. I also really appreciate that that Dave Feel only brought Thrawn into the equation because I know the character of Thrawn had been relegated to a legacy character and was no longer canon, and and I appreciate that he was like, you know what, let's make him canon. I don't know how he negotiated that with Disney, but I'm glad he did, um, and I thought that was a great addition. I really do. Yeah, he came in as a great strong character, and there are three books that feature him that explore a lot of the the same era and make again references to rebels and what's going on through some of those particular components and hoping for my star wars cinematic universe and the larger story that i was hoping for there's a lot of things that are hinted at in that thrawn trilogy of books that i hoped was going to play out in episode nine and it didn't um which is unfortunate but I think, I hope that, you know, because this series ends on such an interesting note that Filoni just keeps teasing over and over of, you know, Ahsoka and Sabine going off on this adventure to find Thrawn and Ezra on wherever they end up in the final episodes. Mm-hmm. I thought that's what Star Wars Resistance was going to be, but it doesn't, it doesn't sound like Filoni is connecting it the same way. So. No, Resistance overlaps basically episode 7, 8, 9. Hmm. Hmm. Is Filoni involved in Resistance at all? Probably only at the highest level of like micro-executive okay. production, but yeah. I would say it doesn't feel like he was much involved at all. Yeah, I only watched the first episode or two. It really wasn't doing much for me. Yeah, Resistance, I, Resistance didn't grab me either. I guess that's not really saying much because each of these series has not grabbed me and I, I was not <laughs> impressed at first. So I can't really say anything. So Never mind. Apparently you need to watch it. You I guess. Watch. Yeah, there's, I mean, Resistance will be a pain. I mean, Resistance ended for us a couple months ago and we still have not finished the last four episodes because it's like, all right, let's watch one more because <laughs> cool. this 22-minute episode feels like it takes 60 minutes to get through. And... Ouch. The level of lore building and dribbles that you get out of it are so small um, and unfortunate. Um, oh. and, it, and, it, and, it, and it just, I mean, with what they did with Rebels, right? Like, why was Rebels so good? Like, Rebels, it does feel like they had a writer's room. And even though they didn't have every beat planned out, 
every character got an arc. There was a seasonality yeah. to it. There was a, a four episode, you know, four season, almost in the sense of like, we're going four seasons, right? And that's as far as we're going to go. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And the other nice thing was they, all of the characters in Rebels, the main characters, had great stories, were great characters. You know, uh, Hera and Sabine were, you know, two fantastic characters who had some great story arcs of their own. Uh, really, you know, obviously they really explored Sabine and the Mandalorians in great detail in the later seasons. And Hera is the only character that they have continued to show, uh, continue to show pops up and around after that series. So the, yep. the ghost itself shows mm-hmm. up in Rogue One. The ghost shows up in Episode Nine. Hera is in an animated short, and her and Han Solo have a disagreement about who has the faster ship. Yeah, Forces of Destiny. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she is in, which I haven't read yet, but she has a book series that she's kind of the general in called the Alphabet Squadron, where she's nice. which she's got a series of ships that she's in control of, the Alphabets, you know, the A-Wing, a B-Wing, mm-hmm. an X-Wing, a Y-Wing. Um, so she continues to be the only character that they've acknowledged is still inside the Rebellion, inside, yeah. you know, the Republic and all of that. Okay, Pete, I have a... I have a question for you. All right, I, now, how, now I, now I, now I got it. How hard it is to keep this cat from rubbing on this microphone? My cat keeps rubbing on this microphone. Um, I know you're a Firefly, Firefly fan. Yes. Uh, and Rebels definitely feels like it's kind of channeling that, as far as just like having a crew on a ship going on adventures. You don't think so? You know what Firefly didn't have? A teenage boy. So you just are like teenagers. <laughs> you just are like teenagers. Um, no, I'll, t- I'll tell you when I did like Ezra is when Hondo shows up. Oh, yeah. And the two of them are like, yeah, we can pull this off. Like, sure. Okay. Have that guy on your crew, but don't have him be like the focus of your storytelling. Mm. Um, yeah. Like like uh, Pat said, like that arc when Sabine goes back home and has to deal with like oh i've got this dark saber am i supposed to rule my people or what mm-hmm. and like you know seeing the both her personal decision making but then the decision making on a societal level between rival factions and mm-hmm. i don't know and those are the stories i want to see what about when ezra is or when darth maul is trying to court ezra eh, those are some great episodes i mean they were they were fine for me because you you know the story's only going to get so dark with your protagonist. Being a child. It, it felt safe. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was cool for stuff, getting a little more of the lore of the like, hey, we don't want to be Sith. We don't want to be Jedi. We just want to use a force. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always cool too. these two shows really feel linked like they feel like one saga to me just told over two different generations because there's just so much spillover between the two of them um anything else you guys want to say about rebels or jumping back to clone wars like they're just rebels brought us loth cats yes (laughs) yes rebels did bring us loth cats yes 
I mean, Rebels brought us the final showdown between Obi-Wan and Maul. Yeah. Also brought us the final showdown and between Vader, Vader and, and Ahsoka. Ahsoka. That was... Oh. That was awesome. Uh, let's talk about those real quick. So, uh, Obi-Wan and Maul, what, what a really cool, simple fight to send Darth Maul out on. You know. Also, Obi Wan has aged a lot very quickly. I will add. <laughs> Tatooine's a rough planet. Tatooine, a very rough planet. Um, but yeah, just such a. And again, that's that episode is so visually interesting to watch. Yep. And I mean, Ezra's just there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, the adults my, need to fight. But yeah. One of my favorite things with that final battle with Obi Wan and Maul is. You know, that moment where Obi-Wan kind of, he changes his stance and it becomes a, one of those one-stroke, you know, samurai duels. Mm. And it's just, you know, the samurai master taking out an old opponent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it demonstrates that, like, Obi-Wan doesn't hate. Yeah. He just yeah. does what has to be done. Mm-hmm. Yep. And now Ahsoka and Anakin fighting in a temple that is like collapsing around them and she cuts his mask off. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. And I think that's the only time those two meet. They don't meet the rest of the show, if I remember correctly. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. After that, we don't see her till the last season and that kind of portal thing. Okay. Yeah. It's great. We're just going to have some silence while we all feel things. While we feel, Uh, we're feeling things. Um, I mean, so many of those things with her, you just get to feel, there's so many of these little moments, right? She gets her reveal you get to see her when he, she turns on the white lightsabers. You're like, what? You know, yeah. like that that particular moment. Um, you know, her even handing over the fulcrumness to the hit sleeper agent in the Empire. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to kind of make him the, the the fulcrum that's that's there, right? Her becoming the Gandalf at the end of the series, right? Like, just oh my god, her arc is just so long. But the moment when she's there with Vader to just see her heart crushed and make that realization that's there um, is so painful. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess this is a great segue. So when, so I have not watched the revival of Clone Wars, and I will get around to it, but I feel it's really unnecessary. <laughs> like, yeah. when, when they released the Lost episodes um, after the show was canceled, uh, where, like, we learn a little bit more about Order 66, and Yoda goes on a you know weird Force adventure. Yeah. You know, I was like, okay, these are cool, but the show is done. You know, and we got a lot of they closure. They also revealed there was also some books and some comics that filled in the other episodes as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there, huh. there's one with Asajj Ventress and Quinlan Voss, who's a Jedi, and it finishes out Asajj's story. Um, and then there's a Darth. Uh, Bane, there's a Darth Maul comic that shows how he gets, you know, some of his legs back and whatnot. Hmm. He has a confrontation with uh, Dooku as well, so that one's pretty good. That's yeah. cool. There, there are definitely some storylines that I felt, you know, I'm glad they came back. They're finishing. Obviously, the Maul Mandalore storyline, that was a big open question. That kind of just got abruptly ended, and then with that mini season from Netflix, was it season six? It, they didn't have the episodes to address it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the stuff they've started, the first three episodes of season seven, they've been really good. I've really enjoyed them, but they're definitely uh, setting up more. They've been more Rex centric, which has been kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And like watching I, them, to me, it feels like they're made for the like super fans. 
Because they keep yeah. being like, oh, remember this and remember this and remember this. And I'm like, do I need to go back and like watch a season of Clone Wars in order to like get why these things are relevant? Disney Plus would like Disney that. Plus. That, that sure way justifies your uh, yeah. subscription. <laughs> I really think they're going to connect to The Mandalorian with more of the stories that since Filoni has executive yeah. production and directing and probably some hidden writing credits on that stuff, you know, bringing things in like the Darksaber and with the Mandalorian talking about, you know, the Night of a Thousand Tears, which will mm -hmm. we see that night, right? Will we see the view of some of that stuff or at least further away, but that same experience or some of those components to just round out the universe. And I think, you know, a question that, you know, Chris, you've kind of posed out there, like what makes a Filoni a production, a Filoni production? And for me, I always just, when, when Filoni touches something, I know it's a fan making something for a fan. Like he is a fan. And I think other than a couple of probably the artists that work behind the scenes that have been doing this for, for decades, Filoni was manicured and by Lucas and pulled all of the things that were good from Lucas and the things that were good about him and continued to propagate them forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, just to speak to Filoni specifically, like he, sh he, there's a caretaker aspect to him for this, you know, for Star Wars that I, that I think even George Lucas does not have. I mean, R2 can fly. Okay, great, George, but he's never done that before. You know, Filoni doesn't do that. Like, he really, he's he's just a good writer. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, well, he's a really good caretaker. And I'm, I'm, I, it's been really interesting to, like, watch his progression from Clone Wars to uh, Rebels to, is he right? is he produced Mandalorian, right? He's written some, and he directed at least one episode. Okay. He, he's, he helped John Favreau produce the whole thing, I, I believe. I think he's executive producer on okay. it as well. Um, yeah. And you can kind of feel his fingerprints on a lot of the episodes of Mandalorian. I guess what I'm saying is I'm glad he's with... I don't want him to leave Star Wars. He's, he's doing a good job with it. He's like the Kevin yeah. Feige, but he's not, you know, at that level. Yeah, and I think, you know, he's one of those people, aside from all the great stuff he brings to the table he recognizes how great some of that like you know legacy material was and you know from other sources and you know trying to find ways to incorporate it where he can such as Thrawn. Mm -hmm. Any final thoughts on Clone Wars and Rebels and where would you like to see Star Wars go next? You know like we we kind of touched on that for our <laughs> Rise of Skywalker podcast so in the television landscape you know we'll try and keep it there where would you like to see Star Wars go next or what would you hope Dave the only does next? I mean, I enjoyed Mandalorian, uh, and I'm definitely looking forward to see more. But I'm also starting to feel like we're getting hemmed in, trying to play it within the bounds of the the theatrical releases. Or it's almost time, in my opinion, to move forward. What happens post Rise of Skywalker? Hmm. Let's you know, kind of open the universe up. Maybe get away from the Jedi. Get away from the Skywalkers. Yeah, like a clean break. Move into worlds we haven't been to before. Pick a historical mm -hmm. period we haven't dealt with before. Um, it's such a big world. Well, the universe, galaxy, whatever. Um, and I think the reason the we all love the original movies is because each of those movies came up and we were constantly surprised with the next scene. Yeah. And the recent movies you don't get surprised you're always like oh i remember that 
Mm. And it's yeah, I think I think Rogue One was the only one that really kind of grabbed me, and it was they did something I felt that was original, and it wasn't a happy ending, yep. but it was. Yeah. Hmm. Ryan, what about you? I think I'm I'm still I can't wait to see the Sabine and Ahsoka story with wherever that goes. Um, yeah. It doesn't have to be TV. Uh, that would be great, but whether it's books or comics there's just there's an interesting experience that's there it's the it feels like it's the star trek voyager of where this could go in a sense that like however they're going to go they're going to be leaving all of the confines of what they have and have to make do on their own journey where they're going and you know with the announcement for those that aren't aware of it there's the new star wars high republic era that is going to be starting later this year and i think the 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 new the new trilogy just it buried into the ground. I am not interested in anything in that era, and I'm not interested in anything after it for quite some time. The, <laughs> and I think at least the High Republic area seems interesting, and the way they talk about it is the way that they should have done the new trilogy, which was they're like we put a bunch of writers and creative people at Skywalker Ranch, and we like put them in an incubator for like a month, and then spent two years really figuring this stuff out and it's like yeah that like so this is going to do what you should have done in the first place and really like have something cohesive so i hope i've got some high hopes for high republic but i i also energy wise don't know if i've got it in me to jump into a whole nother era where like yoda is the only character we can are going to know um and uh, chewbacca, chewbacca will be there. right <laughs> it's always yeah. there is is the High Republic just novels, or is it going to be a multimedia franchise? Do you know? So they've said it's a multimedia franchise that does not currently include television or movies. So comics, video games, books, you know, probably TikTok. role-playing stuff. <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. Uh, I think that High Republic announcement kind of landed with a, with a thud. You know, because um, it's not really a time period I'm interested in. It just feels like kind of old Republic, but maybe it's not going to be as good. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. You know, and I'm with you, Ryan. Like, I, I'm i not really interested in the sequel timeline. It just, we've talked about the sequels, the sequel trilogy a lot on this podcast. So I think it's... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know. Well, and when you've got you know, all those actors in general have said like they're done with their characters. I don't think almost any of them are happy with the arcs that their characters took and therefore to mm-hmm. kind of like want to pursue them any further. So it's it's just more books and it if they're going to go back there it's just going to feel like it's what happened when we like it's explored the what's now the expanded universe and the discarded legends and then we rebooted it and I'm like for what? Yeah. What did we get? <laughs> Yeah, why do we throw out all this lore if you're going to go back to that same time period and make me read, you know, I, I can I can see a Star Wars fan, especially if you were a fan of the old lore, being extraordinarily frustrated with the High Republic. But Clone Wars and Rebels are great, you guys. They really yeah. are. <laughs> yes. We do have that. <laughs> um, you know, I posed this question, or I mentioned this at the at the beginning of the show, but are Clone Wars and Rebels kind of the best things to come out of the prequels? Yeah, yes. absolutely. <laughs> you all, you all thought, and they were like, uh, "Yeah." <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna attach Rogue One to there because I oh. think Rogue One is like the movie version of where these 
these animated movies went, right? There was enough yeah. nods and characters, and it felt like a, cl- a really long Clone Wars five-episode arc that might have been there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't call that part of the prequels. It's just a, you know, another Star Wars movie. Yeah. Well, Rebels isn't a prequel. <laughs> that, that's fair. That's that's fair. I mean, it is before New Hope. Is that yeah. the definition of a prequel now? Sure. <laughs> sure. Whatever. Anyway. Um, great, gentlemen. Well, let's slowly ra- let's wrap this up. Um, that that is our Clone Wars Rebel discussion. Let's start here real quick. Pete, where can people find you if they want to send you angry uh, Star Wars thoughts um, or happy Star Wars thoughts? But uh, Star really Wars. anywhere. Like my username for everything is just Pete Novice. So Instagram, Twitter. I'll never reply on there. Uh, Facebook. IMDB. Look me up on IMDB. Boost my star meter, and then I'll. You know, <laughs> that's the industry I live in. Oh God, it's true. Um, Patrick, what about you? Where can people find you and connect with you if they want to discuss Star Wars? I don't exist. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Those are the two best places to find me. All right. And Ryan, what about you? Uh, personally, I'm on Instagram and Twitter under Night Pearl with an N, and you can find work that I help to support around the Chicagoland area at edgeoforion.com and otherworldtheater.org. Awesome. Uh, I've been your host, Chris Bashan, and you can reach me at nerdoutcastpodcast at gmail.com. We take uh, topic suggestions. We also take happy emails about star wars but if it's an angry email about star wars i may not read it um we had a lot of big nerd things happen last year we talked about the ending of game of thrones the marvel cinematic universe more recently we had a rise of skywalker podcast that was very divisive so go listen to that because that'll (laughs) that was an interesting discussion um this is not our last star wars discussion we'll probably chat about you know there's the mandalorian we need to look at we do need to talk about the prequels we've actually never done an episode on the prequels and i would love to really examine the prequels and their strengths and weaknesses so that episode maybe weaknesses i'll say this i've appreciated the prequels a lot more now after episode nine Oh, oh, hot take, hot take. Well, now we're going to have to have you on that discussion. Attack of the Clones? (laughs) I I do not want to rewatch eight and nine ever again anytime soon. See, two is in that that bucket for me. Over Phantom Menace? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, Attack of the Clones Oof. is distinctly worse than Phantom Menace. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, but we can't have that discussion right now. But clearly, <laughs> we need to have this discussion. So be on the lookout for that. Um, thank you, gentlemen, so much for meeting with me today and chatting about Star Wars. I know that's a burden, so <laughs> I really appreciate it. Mostly um, a burden on my family. <laughs> I've been your host, Chris Bashan, and chatting with me about Star Wars, Clone Wars, and Rebels have been... Pete Novice, Patrick Sweetman, Ryan Bond. Thank you for listening.